The Enneacast is sponsored in part by your Enneagram coach. Did you know you can learn how to walk people through the Enneagram and see their lives transform? All from the comfort of your own home while also making an excellent income. Find out how by going to yourenneagramcoach.com slash BEC. There you can become a certified coach and help others discover just who it is God made them to be. Again, that's yourenneagramcoach.com slash BEC. Work serves a greater purpose. You know, work isn't just for our own personal benefit. It serves others. It serves the mission of God. Don't let the Enneagram excuse behavior. This doesn't just go for your coworkers, but this goes for yourself. No matter how unique your job, no matter how good your job, your identity will never be secure in your work. It will only come through the freedom of the gospel. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God and everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and this is season four about the Enneagram at work. But before we dive into talking about the Enneagram and how it relates to our work, we actually want to let you all know about one major change this season, and that is that this is the last episode where Sam will be my co-host. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, as you guys know, I transitioned off staff with Love That Neighborhood back in 2019. And since then, I've pursued a different career change. I'm currently in grad school pursuing my master's in special education. I work full time as a special education teacher with my lovely first graders, and I couldn't be happier. And Jesse and I talked and, and kind of came to a conclusion that I'm where I'm supposed to be now, and that's okay. And so I want to, you know, be a friend of the show, a listener of the show, but I unfortunately am no longer the co-host of the show. Yeah, so driving back and forth, you know, 45 minutes on a regular basis proved to be a little daunting. Daunting and impossible given the nature of the rigor of my grad school program. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's just, yeah. even if I had a 10-minute commute to the studio, I think it would be really overwhelming and exhausting to do a full-time job and grad school and a, and a podcast. And so it's sad, you know, it's not with um, with haste or with joy that this decision has come about, but it is, I think, the right call for, for myself, but also for the show and the future of the show. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to miss you. I'm yeah. going to miss you guys. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you're with us today. Though. Yeah. And we're not here alone. I'm actually here with my brand new co-host, Lindsay Lewis. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks, Jesse. It's kind of a dream that I'm actually here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do for LTN and your background with the Enneagram? So I am the new program assistant for LTN, and I just recently moved back to the Louisville area after being away overseas and around the country, but glad to be back. And I learned the Enneagram through Crosspoint Ministry as well, but I did it remotely from Texas. And then I was able to get into a cohort with Suzanne Stabile, where I studied under her for a year or so. And then I've just read 
every book I can get my hands on and even wrote my own curriculum and kind of went around Texas teaching moms and schools about the Enneagram and how that can affect their life and their friendships and even their parenting. Uh, that's a dangerous endeavor to go school to school in like Texas talking about the Enneagram. They probably prayed for you a lot. <laughs> They probably had a lot of concerns. Well, just showing up to a school saying, hey, you guys know how you were doing things? How about you do them this way? Like, that's already like a recipe for like <laughs> conflict. So, yeah, yeah that was that's amazing. Yeah. So, well, Lindsay, we're super thrilled. Thanks. I think uh, I'm really looking forward to the season and teaching with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Me too. Okay, so let's get back to the topic at hand. And that is that this season we're going to be talking about the Enneagram at work. The first thing that we want to talk about is like, why this topic? You know, why should we care about the Enneagram as it relates to our work and our work environment? And actually, I think that we would like to give everybody three reasons why we should care about the Enneagram at work. Okay, so Sam, what's the first one? So work inherently has relational difficulties. The more people you work with, the more likely you are to experience conflict. And according to business.com, three out of the top four reasons for stress at work reported by Americans are related to workplace relationships. That makes total sense because when we go to work, we're not only doing a job and reporting to our bosses and trying to get things right and figured out, but we're also navigating our relationships with people that we didn't choose. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not our family or our partner. They are other random people that were hired by other random people. And we have to figure out how to all get along to move forward for the same goals. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes from such diverse backgrounds, mm -hmm. and a lot of folks probably don't think like I do. And yeah. so that's a breeding ground for conflict. Right, and it's stressful because that's not even what you think of as your reason for being there. So the Enneagram can help with that because when you know all the different types of people and how they might respond to being a supervisor, being a supervisee, just how they see the world, you're able to understand, oh, I see where you're coming from. Oh, I can make space for all different types of people. And I can also know myself enough to know where I might be tripping up or mm -hmm. where my strengths might be extra useful. And I can go forward in a really clear-headed way. Yeah, it does make me think of strengths. Like it makes me think of when you understand each other's personality types better, you can go, okay, this person's gonna be the most gifted to tackle this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be more gifted to tackle this. But also, vice versa, I'm going to be weaker in this, so I need to ask for help in the following ways. So, yeah, I mean, a team that has self-awareness is a team that can succeed. Yeah. All right. Second, work can be stressful. According to the American Institute of Stress, 80% of workers feel stress on the job. And when we're stressed, that affects the way that we relate to those around us, and it can easily push us toward the unhealthy side of our number. I'd like to be in the 20% of people that never feel stress at yes. work. Like, who are you people? This the nines. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're asleep to their stress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah work, of course, is going to be stressful. Mm -hmm. Like, we were promised that in the garden, that work is going to be a difficult task. So, you know, work existed before the fall, mm -hmm. but as a result of the fall, work became extremely difficult. And that's going to mean, yeah, it's stressful. Right. And, you know, you think about the fact that COVID and the pandemic has only heightened that struggle. According to an article published by the Kaiser Family Foundation, in January 2019, 11% of American adults reported signs of anxiety or depression. But in 2021, that number was 41%. Mm. So we are living through a very stressful time. Right. Half the people are worried about losing their jobs. And the other half are worried about how are they going to do their jobs with their kids at home? 
on screens and yeah, trying to do right. online learning and right. the hoops we've had to jump through this year. We can only pivot so much, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the good thing about the Enneagram, though, is that it helps us become aware of our stress and hopefully navigate it in healthier ways. So we can look for the red flags that we might present when we're working towards an unhealthy place. And then we can pick up tools that will help us go back to our healthy place. Yeah. Okay. And finally, the last reason is that we spend a lot of time at work. The average person will spend a total of 90,000 hours at work, and we don't want to live constantly unhealthy in the space where we're spending so much of our time and energy. Like, it makes me think of that Annie Dillard quote, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Utilizing the Enneagram in our workspaces can help us live as God intends. Right. Work can present another opportunity for our false self to take control and cause even more problems. But the tools in the Enneagram can help redirect us. Okay, so we've covered the why. Let's talk about who. There are so many different occupations and work environments. You might work for a big corporation. uh, You might own your own business. You might work for a nonprofit. You might have your first job. So who should listen to this season? Everyone. It's going to be great for employees, employers, managers. If you work from home or if you're between jobs, it's going to help you look at aspects of yourself that anyone can benefit from. Yeah, and here's the thing. You don't have to be an Enneagram expert to benefit from taking aspects of the Enneagram to work. You know, we did a poll on Instagram asking our listeners if their workplace has ever used the Enneagram as a training or a workshop, and 21% said yes. Yeah, and we also asked if the Enneagram has been helpful or a hindrance in the work environment, and 86% of listeners said it was helpful. So we hope this season will be a helpful resource for you as you go to work. And I think that before we jump right in and talk Enneagram, we need to spend some time talking about work. We need to first have a good understanding of what work is if we're going to incorporate the Enneagram into it. Why do we work? What does work have to do with our faith? So we have for you five truths about work that can lay a good theological foundation for the rest of the season. So let's take a look at those five truths right after the break. Stay with us. Hey guys, it's Anna, the media editor. Recently, I've been taking some time to ask our alumni how serving with Love Thy Neighborhood has impacted them. My name is Sarah Dibner, and I'm from Orlando, Florida. One of the biggest things I took away from LTN was vulnerability. Sarah served with us for a summer in 2017. And one thing all interns do in the program is share their personal story as honestly as they can. Sarah was really scared and really nervous. But then another person in her group boldly shared first. And she shared such vulnerable, difficult things that I could relate with. It took away a lot of the shame that I've experienced in the past and shined a light on it. And when you shine a lot of light on shame, it starts to disappear. If you want to find your internship where social action and Christian community meet, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. That's lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the Uniacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Okay, let's take a look at five truths about work. We actually adapted this from the book Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. So, Sam, what's the first truth? First truth is work starts with God. Genesis begins with God doing work. He's creating the heavens and the earth and the animals and the people. 
And Tim Keller pointed out in his book that it's not a burden for the Lord to do this work. In fact, it brings him great joy. Right. You know, work is not something that God made for humanity to do, but is somehow beneath God himself. You know, God's a working God. Work is something that we get from him. Yeah. And that goes into number two, which is work is good. God gave humans work to do before sin entered the picture. After God creates man, Genesis tells us this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So work is morally good, but it also is good for us. Like it serves a purpose that helps us. So Tim Keller points out that people who are cut off from work quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We are made to thrive with order in our lives, and work often brings about order. Yeah, I think about people that the struggles that some folks have when they retire, like Mm -hmm. they work their whole lives to get to retirement. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, life feels void. And I do think about the fact that we're made to work. Mm -hmm. Now, we can become addicted to that, and that's a whole other issue. But but to not work at all is to go against our design. Third point is that work serves a greater purpose. You know, work isn't just for our own personal benefit. It serves others. It serves the mission of God. You know, God calls us his ambassadors. You know, you don't have to be a missionary or pastor to be doing God's work. Keller says, the question regarding our choice of work is no longer what will make me the most money and give me the most status. The question must now be how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do about God's will and human need? So work It serves a purpose more than just making money. Truth number four, work, like everything else, is not the way it should be. Tim Keller says that you should expect to feel regularly frustrated in your work, even though you may be in exactly the right vocation. We live in a fallen world. We work with broken people. We ourselves are broken people, and therefore our work will be fragmented and and broken as well. So we should expect that things just aren't always the ideal and they, they aren't always as they should be. Right. Even though work in itself is good, just like everything else in our world, it has been impacted by sin. And that means sometimes work is just downright frustrating. If everybody would just do what I tell them to do all the time, then maybe we wouldn't have as much of that problem. I'm rolling my eyes at you so hard (laughs) right now that the audience listening cannot tell, but they should be able to tell by the way I'm talking. They can feel it. Yes. (laughs) Well, lastly, work is redeemed through the gospel, and that is the good news that frees us from the relentless pressure, the relentless circle and cycles of having to prove ourselves and secure our identity through our work. Because no matter how much you climb the ladder, no matter how unique your job, no matter how good your job, no matter how much you get paid, your identity will never be secure in your work. It will only come through the freedom of the gospel and Jesus's identity being given to you and shining through you in your true self. Okay, so point number one, work starts with God. Number two, work is good. Number three, work serves a greater purpose Number four, work like everything else is not the way it should be. And finally, number five, work is redeemed through the gospel. So we're going to keep revisiting those five points all season long, and we're actually going to take a look at all nine personality types through those five points. 
Okay, now before we move on through the season and dive further into the conversation of the Enneagram at work, I think that one final thing that we need to discuss are some ground rules. So why do you think that that's important? I think that's important because I'm a one and I love rules. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So Uh if we can help each other make less mistakes as we go forward with the Enneagram, we're so much the better for it. (laughs) So I think it's important to have these rules because I'm a nine and nines believe in the power of community and seeing all sides to issues and understanding people's points of view. And if these rules help us do that, then I think that that's really where all most of our hangups are at work is because we just don't understand each other. Well, as a four, I care about you both, so I'm willing to do what you're asking. (laughs) But I don't feel the need for the rules. (laughs) Seriously, though, in the end, the reason that we're going to put some rules forward is simply this. As much as many of us don't mean to, we frequently abuse the Enneagram. We use it in ways that it's not really helpful, it's not going to help other people, and we begin to look at other people through lenses that are not going to be very life-giving in your place of employment. So, with that being said, here are our 10 rules for the Enneagram at work. Okay, rule number one, don't limit type numbers to certain professions. In other words, if you're healthy, you can do anything. Just because you're a two doesn't mean you have to go be a nurse. Just because you're a five doesn't mean you have to go write some great scholarly book. You have choices. So just because there are common professions for your type doesn't mean you have to go do those professions. Okay, rule number two, do give yourself and your coworkers grace. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody's got a lot going on. If people speak or talk out of turn, Just don't blame it on their Enneagram number. Just think, wonder what else is going on in their life that maybe this happened. Yeah, give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them a chance. You know, don't jump the gun. And number three, don't expect the Enneagram to fix people. So we don't want to use the Enneagram as a shortcut to what might really be going on with people. And we hear that question a lot. What can I do? What can I say to make my coworker do this or not do this? And the truth is the Enneagram is about you working on you. So as you open yourself up to more compassion, more empathy for yourself, it will hopefully spread onto others. So we won't fix them, but we'll have a greater capacity to accept them. Yeah, Jesus has been working on fixing me for 30 years. I don't think the Enneagram is going to do it in short order. No. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Rule number four, do use the Enneagram to share the gospel with coworkers. One of the great benefits of the Enneagram is that it really gives you an ability to read people with more nuanced layer. You can really begin to perceive people's deeper needs in life. And that is an opportunity to really begin to speak a nuanced gospel into their life. Good news, a good message. Begin to talk to them about God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's delight, God's presence. And so you're able to bring all those things when you understand more so directly what a person needs according to their personality. And I do think we see as people learn the Enneagram, they often do feel shame when they see their false self, Christians and non-Christians. And so that's a wonderful opportunity for us to offer the good news of like, this doesn't have to be the end of your story. And the Enneagram can help them move into a truer self, but that their ultimate freedom and identity is going to be found in Christ. Rule number five, don't let the Enneagram excuse behavior. This doesn't just go for your coworkers, but this goes for yourself. If you know your weaknesses and you know that the Enneagram says that you're this, this, or this, then don't use that as an excuse to keep being this, this, or this. Like, it's pretty simple. Like, if you're stressed out, you know that you go to a certain number in stress, don't take that out on other people. Learn the things about yourself and and don't use the Enneagram as an excuse. 
Yeah, don't be a punk and then blame it on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Just just own the fact that you're being a punk. Yeah. It ain't got nothing to do with the Enneagram. Don't bring the Enneagram into this. Number six, do tap into your growth arrow. So the people that other people like to work with the most are the people that are working in their growth arrow. That's going to be your healthy sweet spot where you have not only your true self, but you're picking up tools from your strength arrow as well. And we'll get more into this in future episodes, but... Just as a warning, if you don't see yourself living into your growth era at work, you might want to consider some changes. Yeah, you know, what I frequently see is that people who utilize their growth era at work are some of the most valuable people to their place of employment. And conversely, you know, people that don't tap into their arrow are usually the ones that they're not contributing much. They may even be putting their position in jeopardy. They don't get promotions. So grabbing those strengths from your growth arrow It's really important when it comes to work. Number seven, don't try to type your coworkers. We know you're thinking it. We know that you can see (laughs) exactly. It's so hard. I know. You see all the (laughs) tendencies. But the whole thing with the Enneagram is it's about motives, not necessarily about manifestations. The people around you might appear a certain way, but you don't know for sure. Don't pigeonhole them. That's a personal journey. So It's uh, about the root, not the fruit, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so number eight. Do use the Enneagram to inform the way you listen to and treat your coworkers. I said this earlier, but not everyone sees or hears situations the same way that you do. And you may be a nine and have God's gift of understanding all people at all times, but there are going to be some blind spots. And you may be a two and be able to in- interpret the needs of other people's really quickly, but you might get some things wrong or you might overstep. So do use the Enneagram as a way to inform the way that you listen to and treat your coworkers. And number nine, Don't make work something that it's not. Work is an easy thing that we grab onto in order to get a quick fix for our broken identity, for our dignity and our value. But if we overwork or if we underwork, we can find ourselves leaning even further into our false self and denying the healthy, true self that we could be. And finally, number 10, do glorify God in everything. God has made us to work. And when we work, we're actually working for him. The good news is that he's a good boss. He's a trustworthy boss. He's a boss that always has our best interest in mind. So even if you work in a place that's really, really challenging, you can put your best foot forward because God has put his best foot forward for you. This isn't just so that you can just be true to yourself or so you can be a rock star employee and get all the promotion. All those those things are very nice. This is so that God can restore us to the people that he created us to be. So when you work, work for the Lord. Okay, so those are our 10 rules for the Enneagram at work. Stay with us because when we come back, we'll be playing the best friends game. Stay with us. In this season of the Enneacast, we're exploring the Enneagram at work. How do we relate to our coworkers and supervisors in the workplace? For many people, work is a main source of stress, and stress can eventually lead to burnout. To hear stories about balancing work and life, check out our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number 13, where the gospel meets burnout. My schedule is color-coded and looks like a rainbow puked up on the pages. I do all these things for other people because that's the kind of person I am, which is really an issue of identity. Burnout is just physical exhaustion, certainly a mental or spiritual exhaustion. And you, you could just hear people weeping in the congregation, and I'm on the front row playing around on Twitter. 
You can subscribe to the Love That Neighborhood podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, or by heading over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. That's lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Hey, welcome back to DNA Cast. I am Jesse Eubanks. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for the best friends game. Our game today is called the best friends game. Okay, Lindsay, as you know, we like to play games on the show. And since you're new to our audience, I thought it'd be fun for them to get to know you by seeing how much Sam and I actually know about you. So here's how it works. Lindsay, you have been given a stack of question cards. For each round, you are going to read a question out loud, and then you're going to write down your answer to that question, what the answer would be for yourself. Sam and I are also going to write down an answer, but we are trying to write down what we think your answer is going to be, kind of like the newlywed game. We will then compare answers. If one of us gets it right or close, that person gets a point. If neither of us gets it right, Lindsay, you get a point. We're going to play five rounds. Whoever has the most points wins. You all ready? Yes. Yes. All right. Let's do this. Okay, guys. The first question is, if I were a Disney princess, which one would I be? Oh, my gosh. Any? Like any any Disney princess? Any Disney princess. We could stick with the classics if you want. Let's do the classics. I can guarantee you my sister is shouting out the answer right now. Hmm. Is this based on like your favorite one or your most one that you resemble? Yeah, you're asking yes. extra questions. I am. I the answer right. is yes. <laughs> okay. Sam would be Sleeping Beauty. She just want to take a nap. That's true. That's true. <laughs> my favorite was Ariel growing up or Cinderella. Most on brand is Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready? One, two, three. Bell. Bell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I feel so known. <laughs> Except for now I don't get a point. Number two, what was my first job? Mm. Can I give myself two answers? Sure. Okay. No. <laughs> no. I'm gonna go on a I'm gonna go on a game show, get asked a question and go, I would like to submit two answers. That is not how this works. I'm on my way out the door, so I can do what I want. <laughs> Okay, okay. One, two, three. Retail. Food industry. No, the cleaners. Oh, man. You, what do you mean? Like, like I was the person cleaner? who took your dry cleaning and sorted it and sent it off and then <laughs> do you know what I thought? tagged it. I thought like when you watch like a mafia movie and it's the people, people that, that come clean up, up the body <laughs> afterwards, I was like, man, <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay's got some background, y'all. <laughs> I was young and impressionable. <laughs> no, my mom actually came home from the cleaners one day and said, I got you a job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I Surprise. there. That's awesome. Nice. All, All right. right. Well, Lindsay got a point on that one. Yes. She probably made that up just so she'd get a point. <laughs> I've actually never worked. It's my first job. <laughs> okay, number three. Would I rather go to an amusement park, a water park, or a zoo? Lindsay hates fun. so It's true. I am a one. Am I allowed to submit three? Answers? No. <laughs> Boundaries. Okay. Okay. You guys ready? I got my guess. Okay. okay I want to hear you say it at the same time. One, two, three. Amusement, amusement park. Water park. Oh, water that was my park. second guess. I thought you would for sure guess zoo. Yeah, because I didn't say zoo. I don't like fun. But here's here's my thing. I think that you're just like, 
well, I'm here and I have no choice but to have fun <laughs> because I'm in a place that's about fun. So it's like if you're like trapped in a place that's fun, you're, you're fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I said no to zoo because... One, I don't love the zoo because it's all smelly and you just mm. kind of walk around. The animals get sad. Like, the animals mm. make me sad, at least. And I was thinking, like, I bet she's a similar. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. We have a membership to the zoo, and I feel sort of bad. Yeah. But I grew up in Texas. So mm. amusement parks in Texas just yeah. means hot and sweaty and then yeah. more hot and then more sweaty. Okay, fine. <sighs> Another point to her. Okay. Number four. What do I usually have for breakfast? I feel like you have an advantage on this one. No, I don't. Um. All right, Jesse, what's your answer? You can ask me first. Yeah, because you were super pleased with your answer. I think that every morning for breakfast you have tea and crumpets. (laughs) Not (laughs) far from the truth. (laughs) Um, I said granola and yogurt. Ooh, I hate yogurt. You do? I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm not a big fan either. So what I have for breakfast every morning is one egg and two pieces of toast and a cup of hot tea. I was close. You were pretty you were close. close. Did I get like a half point? I'll, I give, you sure. I'll give you a half, half point. point. Yes. Also, what are crumpets? <laughs> what is I, that? I feel like a scone. Or yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. It's cousin a lumpy of a scone. scone. I just imagine it's just you and Paddington Bear, and you're just having <laughs> marmalade, tea and crumpets every morning. <laughs> okay. The last question. So, what is my favorite app on my phone? Mm. Can I ask a serious follow-up question? Is this one that was not? already included on the phone or downloaded after the fact? Oh, I can't tell you that. Okay. I have a question. <laughs> when we say your favorite... Most frequent? It, it doesn't mean the one you use the most, but the one that you enjoy the most? Is, is that the nature of that question? You can interpret it however you want, well, No, I'm trying to figure out how you interpret it. I mean, it'd probably be both, right? If it's my favorite. I, like, want to look at my phone and literally analyze <laughs> the apps on my phone. Hold on. Just give me one second. <laughs> this is research. <laughs> All right, Sam, I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) Okay. You want to count us off? Sure. One, two, three. Messages. 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 It's the Chick-fil-A app. That's your favorite app in all the world, in in the universe of technology. Yes. My favorite app is the Chick-fil-A app. Because I earn free tea every week. I just imagine you like laying in bed at home, no. just checking your Chick Fil A apps. <laughs> when I'm laying in bed at home, it's I do not have my phone. App. Oh, really? No, I hate wow. my having my phone. Okay, so the final score is that Sam has one point. Yes, I have one and a half points. Oh, and Lindsay has three points. Coming in strong. So we're not best friends yet. (laughs) We got some work to do. Got some work to do. And now it's time for listener questions. All right. This question comes from Fletcher in the Rye. Do you think it's wise to use this test at work between coworkers? I would say it depends on your place of employment and the nature of things. So like at LTN, we speak Enneagram. So here, for sure, it's been awesome. What's it been like for you, Sam, in your environment? Well, my coworkers discovered the Enneacast, and so they also speak Enneagram, but just from what we've told them. So it comes with the territory, I guess, when you work um, with people that you need to know about people. So I, I do recommend 
researching about the Enneagram, but to just hand somebody an Enneagram book or an Enneagram test or even an Enneagram podcast may be a little risky, just depending on if you're their supervisor. You need a container to work some of this stuff out in. You need like a safe place. And it kind of needs to be um, presented to the whole company and not just like your four or five buddies that you see all the time. Because otherwise you sound crazy. Well, it's not only that, but you start thinking that you know everything about everyone else and you haven't given them the chance to prove like themselves otherwise. So if I know about the Enneagram and I'm the only one at my school, if I just start typing people that I work with, then they're going to be like, what are you talking about? You know, so they kind of need to be in on the conversation, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I would say we are seeing more and more companies bring in Enneagram experts to talk to their employees about the Enneagram. And if it's like that, then your team can really benefit from learning it all at the same time, having mm-hmm. a similar language. Yeah. So I think it can be useful in the right way. Right. Yeah. Okay, this question comes from Corinne Michelle 13. How do the numbers work with specific leaders? I guess this is basically asking like do certain enneagram numbers like draw themselves toward leadership or do are we drawn to make certain types leaders? Yeah, the answer is that certain types are prone to be leaders. That's actually one question we're going to uh, explore in all the type episodes is does that type tend to prefer to be a supervisor or to be supervised? But the truth is that all nine types can be great leaders. All nine types have that capacity. Are there some that tend to be leaders more than others? Yes. Which ones would you say are those? I would say the aggressive numbers, which is going to be your threes and your eights, and sometimes your sevens if you get them really focused. Ones really like to be leaders because, you know, that means that they've done a good job. But like you said, I think almost every number, when they're healthy and they're you know, in their spot, they can like to lead. Uh, make sure that you check out all of our type episodes coming up because we're going to explore a bit of that exact question in every episode. Okay, so this question comes from Just Brad 987 The strengths of some numbers aren't necessarily what gets thought of or valued in the workplace. For example, type 9. How can you advance in the corporate world when you aren't a 3 or an 8? That's a really good piggyback off of our last question. I would say first... Find that motivation and decide whether or not you want to advance in the corporate world. If you're like me, if you're a nine or for any nine listening or any any type that doesn't necessarily feel to, like they have what it takes to be boss or CEO, I think that that's totally OK. Um, Lindsay, you said it really well earlier that the person that's going to make a difference in their workplace is not a person that's a three or an eight. It's a healthy person living into their growth arrow and whatever their growth arrow looks like. If you happen to have a growth arrow of three, then that's awesome. But if your growth arrow is six, that's also awesome. You know, I think it just depends on the level of health of the person. I think, too, the Enneagram is like a more like a watercolor instead of really compartmentalized numbers. So if you do find that you want to advance and you're not seeing your strengths working for you, you can play around with the tools that other numbers bring you. So for a nine, in strength, you go to a three. You're still going to be a nine, but you can definitely pick up tools from your three or from your neighbor, the eight, or your neighbor, the one, if that is a path that you're trying to go down and you want to find extra gifts that you can use in your workplace. This question comes from E Ranger 4 Are there any work scenarios in which it would not be helpful to use the Enneagram? Um, I cannot type my first graders. Like, probably legally I can't do some of those things, but also, like, it's a horrible idea to type young children for a lot of reasons. So I would say if you work with young kids, you may notice tendencies and you may pick up on patterns, but if they're, you know, under the age of 18 or 21 or even 25, they haven't really become a fully formed person, adult yet. So 
yeah, I would say it's okay to have conversations with your coworkers, but I wouldn't ever put a label on the students that I work with. I worked at a homeless shelter for nine years, and I would also caution against using the Enneagram with folks that have suffered extreme trauma. Um, A lot of times, just the way that that shapes our personality, there's sort of a fracture that can happen in personality where we may not actually fit into one of the nine types as ideally or as easily as uh, somebody who has not had as much trauma. So, um, so I do think there are scenarios where we just need to be very, very reluctant to bring the Enneagram into play because even the level of self-reflection and self-awareness uh, required for the Enneagram to work well, it may just be beyond some people's current capacities in life. Yeah, anytime you're working with basic needs, I would say, like I think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the Enneagram is really like a self-actualization kind of conversation, which is like level five of the of the like pyramid. So anytime you're working with someone's basic immediate needs, like you're saying, like if in homelessness or, you know, in poverty situations, there's just really other things to address before you get into personality, I would say. Before we go, I did just want to end on a serious note about my transition. I really just want to say thank you to the listeners from all across seasons that, you know, have been with us since the beginning, who found us along the way. You know, when we first started, it felt very small. Like it felt like just Jesse and I talking about something that we loved in a quiet room. And it's grown into ways that I haven't even been able to fathom. So I'm so excited to see where it goes as a listener. I'm sad to say goodbye, you know, to this microphone and this co-host chair, but I'm not saying goodbye to Love the Neighborhood or the Enneagram um, or the Enneacast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. And thank you for coming along this journey with us. And please listen to and continue to follow Jesse and Lindsay as they take this journey on together. I'm really excited to hear how things go for seasons four and beyond. So love you guys. Well, Sam, as our way of saying thank you for all that you've contributed to this show, we've put together some of our favorite moments of you. So here they are. For the first time behind the mic is my co-host, Sam Stevenson. Hey! I am asking you literally to be yourself. From Hobby Lobby because it's where creativity goes to die. (laughs) It's mass reproduced. Yeah. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. We're doing the nines, the peaceful person. Yeah, and we don't want to startle them. Like, fours are some of my favorite people. They really do the world. What is it it that you like about fours? Oh, they're all just so special. (laughs) For my mom and all my friends. Yeah. Hi, Mom. (laughs) Yeah. Roll from the top. (laughs) New (laughs) co-host. We really believe that the precursor to being loved is to being known, to know ourselves, to know our neighbors, to better love them and love the Lord through that process as well. Special thanks to Sam Stevenson for the last three years of being a co-host and also for joining us today for this first episode of season four. Sam, I will miss seeing you. And also thanks to Lindsay, who's going to be joining me for the rest of the season. Content for this episode comes from Crosspoint Ministry and the book Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This show was edited by Rachel Zabo, Lindsay Lewis, and myself. Rachel is also our media director and producer. Our audio engineer is Anna Tran. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people discover this show so that we can help more folks. 
I'm Sam Stevenson. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.